we as Christians have one job to do, really. We're to bring glory to the Father. We're supposed to do what? Let our light shine. Are we supposed to let our light shine? That's difficult for you. Anybody been called to go to work on an outreach project? Anybody ever done that? Anybody been, been, been asked to go do door-to-door stuff? Anybody been asked to do that? Anybody get that, get that opportunity and go, holy smoke, what have I got myself into? What am I going to say when I get there? How am I going to respond? What if they ask me a hard question and your hands get sweaty, you start breathing heavy, you start having issues with your respiration and you're like, and you start to lock up because I got to go do outreach and I don't know what, oh my goodness. And I said, anybody, as a young Christian, that used to bug me to death and some days, sometimes it still does today. I can remember I, Brian Weiskup was sitting right here for a service. I remember Nancy Carter being my group leader way back whenever. And she decided we should go do a door-to-door witnessing. And so she spent us in several different directions. And I ended up with my wife, another brand-new Christian, the Lord, canvassing Kingston, Ohio. And I didn't, even, I didn't even live in Kingston, Ohio. I don't know nothing about Kingston, Ohio. I was just new to this church. I live in Shiloh Coffee. Why don't I go to Kingston? I have no idea. So we get out of the car. We park right there um, near Dick DeLong's office, right near the post office there in Kingston. Get out of the car. Walk up to the, thing, walk up to the light. Walk across the road. There's a white and black house on the corner. We get ready to walk up there, and my wife goes, I don't think we should go there. I know the people who live there. And this brand-new Christian who's walking alongside me, that's probably the house we ought to go to. I'll never forget it. We walk up to the door, and me and him are kind of like the barricade. And my wife is just completely freaking out because she's not a people person, and she doesn't know what she's going to do. And she, I can hear her breathing heavy behind me. And we walk up to the door. Hey, hello, we're from Church Triumph. Knock on the door. Hey, we're from Church Triumph. Can we, we'd like to talk to you. Oh, the lady's name that lived there was Brian's wife at the time. Says, oh, my, my, my uncle's the pastor. I knew all about that. I don't think I want any. Okay. Well, we try to come up and we start mumbling around. All of a sudden, she sees my wife standing behind us. Rachel, get in here. So we walk in, and we sit at their kitchen table. She's puffing on cigarettes, and she's just getting it. And she starts preaching to herself. She did more talking than we did. And she'd bawl and cry because she did know. And she was just talking, and we're just kind of there. And I'm still sweating and breathing. Hey, like, what am I going to say when it comes? I don't know. About, the, about, the, about, about half hour into conversation, this long, linky guy comes walking into the kitchen, smoking a cigarette, drinking a bud. Leans up against, I'll never forget, he leans up against the kitchen counter like this. Doesn't hardly say anything. Just sits there and listens. She's crying. We finally ask her if we can pray with her. She don't want to. She didn't want to get things right. She's scared to death of eternity. She's quit a job at an ER because she she can't deal with the thought of people passing out of this life and not being ready. But she knows she's not ready herself, and she's not even ready that night. We're having this conversation. I mean, if we pray, yeah, we can pray. Never says the word. Just drinking his bud, smoking a cigarette. Walk out of there. Glad to be alive. True, true statement. We walked through, through several houses that night, didn't have any, anything about it. And Easter, Good Friday, sir, Red Friday here, right here on this corner of this thing, one Brian Weisscup walks right up here and gives his life to Jesus. In August, we've been at his house. At Easter, he's standing here in the spring, 
giving his heart to Christ. It's scary, man. It's scary. I remember being in Toronto and all kinds of crazy stuff happening with people on the street and druggies and all sorts of stuff. I'm going to say to them, I don't know. I don't have a, you know, I just remember one day I had a couple of our people working with, with, with a guy in this park at like a, one o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden this completely blitzed out dude comes running through the park, and he's making a beeline like he's going to run right through where these two people are having a conversation. And me being the macho, not so macho guy, I'm like, oh, crud. Then all of a sudden, I don't know what to do. I just step right in front of him. I just go, not here. Ooh, he just, all of a sudden, he just, like, he sobered up. Okay. And they led that, that, that fellow to the Lord that was hanging underneath the tree um, that night. It was pretty crazy. And I, I didn't have any, you know, I'm just like, what in the world? What, what am I doing out here? I don't even, Toronto, Canada, 1 a.m. in the morning? What am I doing? It's great. I remember a guy named Roland. I got to lead to the Lord there in Toronto one year. He was an artist, and he was living on the street. Man, he, I still some of his, some of his drawings to this day. At a time in his life, he became a person of peace in my life. Things weird us out, man. Scared to death to go do that kind of stuff. Yet that's the one thing God calls us to do, bring glory to his name and declare his gospel to other people. You know, there's got to be a better way of doing it where it doesn't become so wearisome, where it doesn't become so intense. There's got to be a way that we can be effective. How do we do it? Well, it just so happens that the scripture gives us, all, gives us ammo to understand that. How do we find a way to do ministry, to do outreach, to reach towards people and not it become this heavy, burdensome thing? Jesus said, you take my yoke upon you, it's easy. My burden is light. Ever had to feel like you had a burden for somebody? Jesus said, it's not supposed to be this thing that wears you to pieces. It's supposed to be fulfilling. It's supposed to be satisfying. It's supposed to be something you're created to do because you're created in Christ, and that's what he does. So how do we do it? Well, God gives us all kinds of places, and we're going to look at Matthew 10, but let's, let's think it real quickly before I really dig into the shape. There's some strategies Jesus puts together to help his disciples. One thing is for sure, your out relationships are to be continual. It's to be a lifestyle, not just event-oriented, not just because a church is doing something. Your outreach from your life, your out on the triangle, is to be a continual thing. We are to be missional and evangelical. That's what we call ourselves. We carry the good news of Jesus. We are on mission. We've been given a co-mission that Christ works with us to accomplish his mission. He asks us to do that. But he gives us some ideas how how exactly to do that. There's some basic things about outreach Jesus gives us, okay? Number one, timing is an issue. He, he, he He sent his disciples at specific times. Jesus told his disciples there were times of harvest. Harvest is a season, just like there is natural harvest seasons. There are spiritual harvest seasons in people's life. We have to be aware of the time that we're working in, whether we're planting or growing. He's sitting teams, two by two. Some of us get wore out. You know why? We try and do it all by ourselves. One reason that night worked in Kingston was because there were three of us working together. Jesus sent them out two by two. It just so happened, Rachel and I were kind of in this square mode because the guy who was with was a new, new, a new believer in Christ, and we were trying to help him get down the road a little bit. And so we were doing this, I do, you watch. And he kind of jumped in and said he was all full of vim and vigor, man, wanted to get to it. And so we followed his lead at one point just to get to the front door, you know? 
Works that way sometimes. He sent in teams, Luke 9, Luke 10. Check this out. Luke 9, he has 12. He sends them out two by two. Within one chapter of Scripture, I'm not sure of the time frame, from Luke 9, 1 to Luke 10, 1, it goes from being 12 on this team to being 72. Multiplication is a purpose in the kingdom, is an idea of the kingdom. If we're on mission, it should multiply. There should be more of us in one chapter of our lives than there was in the next one. Is that right? You guys know what I'm saying? Sometimes my brain gets clicked in and my mouth can't keep up. So there ought to be this idea, sending us out in teams. Two are better than one, Ecclesiastes says. There's, there's a target. Jesus gave us a specific set of people to go reach after. He looks at his disciples and says, you chase after the lost sheep of Israel. Later on, I'll worry about the Gentiles. Right now, you chase the Gentiles. I mean, you chase the, the lost sheep of Israel. I'll take care of the Gentiles later. Right now, he gives us targets. He gives us the task. The task is this. Give them the message. Go and announce them the kingdom of heaven is near, Matthew 10, 7 says. So we got time. We got team. We got target. We have a task. And we can expect trouble. It's not always easy going where Jesus wants you to go. I got sent a, a thing this week that, 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 that listed how all of the apostles lives ended up because they followed the mission do you know all of them all of them die fulfilling the mission they weren't locked into this stuff patrick was talking about taking up the offering they had their sights set on an eternal realm a heavenly realm and they suffered greatly loss of money loss of houses loss of all sorts of stuff to be what god wanted to be trouble comes but our fruitfulness is in the kingdom our fruitfulness is a spiritual thing our fruitfulness Jesus tells his disciples, beware, for you'll be handed over to the courts and be flogged, Matthew 10, 17. You'll stand trial before governors and kings because you're my followers, but this will be your opportunity to tell others, tell the rulers and other, believers, other and unbelievers about me. And when you're arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. When I talk to somebody about doing outreach, that's the first excuse I get, and it's an excuse. I don't know what to say. Jesus lets you off the hook. None of us know what to say. He said, I'll fill your mouth. Just go do it. <laughs> so I don't hear that one anymore. I get here all the time. I don't know what to say. You know what? Jesus, if you're, if you're hooked up with Jesus and you're inhaling the breath of God, you should be exhaling the breath of God as well. You should be inhaling the word of God. It should be coming out. God will give you wisdom. Be as, be as wise as serpents, he says. Be gentle as doves. He's talking about how we negotiate with the people around us. He, says, he tells them that. So, if evangelism becomes so wearisome, how do I proceed to minimize the weariness and maximize my effectiveness? I'm glad you ask. Because it's right in the scripture. It's right in Matthew 10, really. It, he, he tells us who to look for, how to locate them. We're to locate a person of peace. Can you guys read that? Let's pretend this is a side. A person of peace. A person of peace is a person who's ready to rehear the message of the kingdom. Look at Matthew 10 with me, and let's read verse 10. Let's read verse 10. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, your blessing will stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. 
that'd make the papers, wouldn't it? Imagine a preacher walking into town, blessing the house, and taking the blessing back. Oh, the reporters would love that. Would they not? Huh? The media would eat that up. This preacher came to town, pronounced blessing on this home, and then took the blessing away. Indian giver. That's what Jesus said to do. I don't know. Jesus said if the blessing, if the blessing, this person of peace, he does three things. Number one, he serves you. You see that? Catch that? Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person. Stay in his home. The first thing a person of peace does is they, they support the mission where they're, they're Christians. Did you hear that lady? Did you hear Joe on the screen? They go to one minister to the, to the Hispanic community in Arizona. You know who they find as a person of peace? A Bhutanese refugee named Kumar. He's not Hispanic, and he's not a follower of Jesus. He's just somebody who goes, dude, the door is open. You want to help people around here? I'll help you help people. That's cool. When I was in Kenya the first time, we, we set to, 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 to train pastors and church leaders, and, and one, the next step would be to plant churches in the communities we had been in. I heard after we were gone, there was a church that was planted in the community we were in, and they found the person of peace. He happened to be a Muslim who had a storefront. He let a Bible study start in his, in his storefront. Wasn't even a believer yet. That's the idea of a person of peace. They're just open. They're just like, what is this thing you guys are doing? That's pretty cool. What is happening? Really? What the, you know what? I'll help. I'll help. What, how do I help? I don't, you know, I don't remember Jesus at the feeding of the 5,000 taking a questionnaire from the little dude with the five loaves and two fishes. What is your spiritual state anyway, son, before we take these five loaves and two fishes off your hands? He just found a dude who was willing to help and took him off his hands and put it to work. You know what I mean? And sometimes we look right past people because we're trying to find people who fit the right mode, and God's saying they're right in front of you. If they want to serve and support what's going on, then let them do it. Now, verse 14 tells us the other two things they do. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. See, a person of peace is just the opposite of that. He's a person who welcomes you or she, and they listen. They're willing to, to listen. Now, a person of peace welcomes you into their home. A person of peace will listen to what you have to say. doesn't say they agree. Did you catch that? They welcome and they listen. So, person of peace serves, welcomes, and listens. A person of peace is also this. They're also a person of presence. What does that mean? That means they're in your life and you're in theirs. You have to be with or near them. They're a, pre- they're a person who, doesn't, doesn't that make sense? How can you outreach somebody who's not there? How can you outreach somebody if you're not there? Doesn't that make sense? They're in your sphere of influence in some way, shape, or form. Now, understanding what, to what degree they're in your life is the next two steps. Are they a passing relationship? So we got these signs over here on either side of this thing. We put people on lists to pray that they would come to know Christ. One here, one over there. You know what my, my prayer has been from the very get-go we started this? That the people of Church Triumphant will become the answers for other people of Church Triumphant. 
that they would begin to be, find these people who are on the list, not even knowing they're a relative, a neighbor, a coworker of somebody, and just be in the grocery store line, just be at the softball field, just be at, at the school event, just be somewhere and share Jesus in some way, shape, or form, watering and planting and cultivating seed in the life of those of other people, and not even realize they're even doing it, just being in the hands of Jesus, vessels be able to be used. I can't wait to get to heaven and pull back the veil and go, how'd that work, Jesus? And I'll, I'll see faces of different of you interacting with the faces of people on this board. It's crazy. God will orchestrate it. A passing relationship. Sometimes you go on mission trips and they're just passing. They're just in your life. They're just in your life for a time. They're a waitress at the table in an evening where you and your spouse are out to eat. Sometimes they're the mailman going past the front door. Sometimes it's it's a person who you just happen to be seated near at a sporting event. All of a sudden you find yourself talking. They're like, so, and you start really that's going on. That's pretty cool. Well, where do you say you go to church? Well, tell me more about that. And they're just, what do you say God did for you? I heard you talking to the other person. I mean, explain that more to me. And all of a sudden, it's just not permanent. You just happen to be at the right place in the right time. We call it a divine intersection of your life. There's others, though, that are permanent. Permanent relationships. You're in their life for an extended period of time for a particular purpose. Permanent. I know you guys can't read that. Pardon my writing. Still something I'm working on. I'm not quite like Jesus in that area. People you're around all the time. I won't go into all the details. Uh, gee, my, name. My, my daughter's f- nearly 15, about 15 years ago, 16 years ago. My, I was driving home on a, on a summer afternoon from church on Sunday, mad because I'd worked at Praises for the last three years of my life. I've been now working at the church for over a year. I'm surrounded by Christian people. The pastor has the nerve to offer a challenge during service that we should reach towards people, and I'm mad, and I'm angry, because I'm like, God, I would, except everybody in my life's a Christian, and I'm just frustrated. How can I do that when I'm surrounded by Christian folks, and I'm bellyaching the whole way home, driving down dry run, yelling at Jesus. Nice word, God. Great. Thanks a lot. Throw down condemnation on me. That's wonderful. Show me a non-Christian person, and I'll get right to work. I don't know one. And, and finally, I'm, 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 more, I'm like nine-tenths of the way home. And all of a sudden, I hear, I hear God like say this, are you done yet? Just in here. Like, Aaron, shut up. God's a father. You know, he, he has the right to grab me and get my attention. You know what I mean? Just it lovingly, but sometimes I need to get my, my attention. And so I... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done now, God, and I'm getting ready to turn onto my road, and I see a picture of a face. First service, he would have been sitting right here beside Patrick. Had to be my neighbor at the time. I see this face, and the Lord speaks to me these words. I'm getting ready to turn onto my road. Aaron, every interaction you have with this man named Jim is a holy moment. Then he added a little caveat at the end of it. He said, even if you never say my name, even, if you, even at the times you don't say my name, it's still an eternally significant moment. This is the honest truth. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm kind of batting my eyes, turning left onto my road. And I go, one driveway, two driveway, three driveway, the fourth one's mine. I pull in, and guess who's standing right in the middle of my driveway because God sent his crazy dog on an adventure. He was chasing him. At just the right time. I put in my driveway, looked up, and went, 
okay, God, that's great. I kind of get it. And we started a conversation that day for about 20 minutes in our, in our driveway. After that time, we spent numerous time together over the back fence, on the mower, changing out stuff on cars, talking about the weather, talking about politics, talking about our children, whatever. And every now and then I get a chance. It took nearly 10 years. One Friday morning, I get a, con- I get a phone call from Jim. His life has got some issues going on. He's bawling on the other end of the phone at about 8.30 in the morning. And by noon, he had walked right into the kingdom. He was a permanent relationship, still is a part of my life to this day. After we got done doing that, we walked through the square thing. I'd meet him at Tim Hortons about once a week, and we'd share coffee together, and I'd walk him through the basic ideas of the kingdom, and he's still walking with Jesus today. Something like seven years later, I don't know how long it's been. Seven, eight years. That's the way it's supposed to work. He's a permanent relationship. We're still friends. We still love each other. We're still growing together. I was in his life for a reason. I lived at 83 Brown Hollow Road, I think, in my whole, for 16 years for one reason, him, him because I'm a city boy. Don't want to do with the country. Don't want three and a half acres of grass to mow. Don't want, to, don't want a big piece of property. Don't want to be out away from everything. Want to be two minutes from getting milk. You know what I mean? Don't want that. Me as a person, I didn't want that. I lived here for 16 years. God does things like that. When you got him in your life, the next piece of the puzzle is you got to be a proclaimer. The next piece is proclamation. You don't work where you work by accident. You don't live where you live by accident. You don't have the sphere of influence you have by accident. You don't go to the store by accident if you're a follower of Christ. You are there because God planted you there for kingdom reasons. You're not in your little social environment with your kids playing sports and stuff just because it's a good idea. You are there because God needs some kingdom work to be accomplished. And what he intends for to happen is the proclamation of his gospel and his kingdom out of and through your life. It's an out, to, to, to be a proclaimer doesn't mean you're an orator, an author. It just it means you show the kingdom openly to others. It's an outward indication of something already going on. Matthew 5, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So you think, man, I can't speak. I can't talk. You know what? Be good to people. Love people. Pray for people. Do what Peter said and be ready to give an answer for the hope is within you. Live in such a way that people see you have hope. Let them ask questions. You just answer. Answer them. Paul writes, Ephesians 5, redeem the time. The days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity. And so that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be proclaimers of his kingdom. The message stays the same. Repent and believe. Time promised by God has come at last, he says in Mark 1. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. If at all possible, once you do this proclaiming part, maintain the relationship one of the best things you can do. Because we're not called just to make converts. We're called to make disciples. We're called to help people. Think of the soils in Matthew 13. They all just need cultivate. A little bit further down the road, they'll bear fruit if we, if we just cultivate them. The stony, the stony rock, the ones by the wayside, the stony places, the, the, the ones with the, the, the weeds and thistles and the good place where it bears fruit. Sometimes we're just called to people's lives to cultivate the soil. That's what we're doing. And we proclaim, we're not, we'll maybe never be the harvester. We're just called to cultivate and get it ready. Are you hearing me? Because of that, be ready to be a preparer of the soil. Preparation, that's the next piece. Preparation. Ah, my handwriting's getting worse, and so is my voice. Preparation. Be content to be a, prepare, a, a preparer, a cultivator, a planter, a waterer. 1 Corinthians 
3.6 says, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together for the same purpose, but both will be rewarded for their own hard work. We are both God's workers, him and Apollos, but you are God's field. God's preparing hearts by doing what you do. You should be content to be a preparer. The next piece of the puzzle is really cool. Because we hear a lot about the power of God and stuff like that. God very much intends, as you go about finding these people of peace, that his power functions through you. He wants his kingdom to be on display. He wants his kingdom to be on display through you. Be willing to be conduit. Let the breath of God breathe in and breathe out of you. Let the breath of God breathe in and breathe out of you. Jesus looked at his disciples. He sent them on this journey in Matthew 10. He called his 12 together and he said, I give you authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and illness. Verse 8, he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. He's saying, listen, the kingdom came into your heart, now share it everywhere. He intends for us to be a display of his power. He does. You know what? Some of you would make the issues. Well, what if I pray for someone and nothing happens? What if you don't pray for someone and something was supposed to happen? Because one day, Jesus is coming and he wants to share these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You did what I asked you to do. Yours isn't the result. The results aren't your deal. Obedience is your deal. And sometimes you'll be just a cultivator and nothing will happen. You'll just be planting a seed. And sometimes you'll be the one who, gets to, who God gets to unleash all of his stuff through. People come into the kingdom. People, I just read a story about, a, about, a, about a, a small group who were trying to figure a way to outreach. And the, guy, the leader of the church was like, what, you know, what are you guys good at? Well, we kind of we we pray. We pray. That's what we do. We're pretty good at praying. He said, do you ever think about just going around your neighborhood and praying where, where you guys meet? Well, I don't know. Really I'm not saying I didn't even talk to anybody. I'm just saying pray, go pray. Just walk, walk, walk through the neighborhood and just pray for each house as you walk down through there. And they agreed they'd do that. And they, none of, all of them were, were backwardsy types. And they're like, we don't want to talk to anybody. Just walk through and pray. So they started taking the kingdom. And, and one, the one report he got back was, somebody broke the rules. We were walking and they just felt compelled to go up to the door. And they went up to the door and talked to the person. And we prayed for that person. And got a, we didn't get praying for that, not that time. They got a chance just to pray, a request, pray for a request. We'll take it back with us. We'll pray. The next week, somebody else broke the rules. We ended up at another door. And we prayed for that person on the spot. At that moment, that person got healed. This is in England just a few years ago. And he said, see, that's what I told you. You took something you weren't good at, did put it together with something you were good at, and the kingdom came. <laughs> Would that be awesome or what? Huh? Let God's power be seen through you. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you about, about this idea of the power of God. Go read the book of Acts, the blueprint for how the church is supposed to function. Go read it. A majority of the things that happen miraculously in the book of Acts happen outside of a setting like this. One guy uh, I've listened to recently on a podcast, and I, 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 I did, I, I, I want to go back and say I actually went piece by piece and followed him through it. He said 39 of 40 miracles in the book of Acts happened outside of a church gathering. 39 of 40. So where is the power of God? The power of God is involved in the, in the function of his mission. 
Mark 16 says, he confirmed his word, the preaching of his word, the proclamation of his word, the mission of the church. He, he confirmed it with signs following. He didn't confirm inside the walls and then said, hey, I'm really kind of around you. I said, go do something. He said, I've already given you something to do. Go do it. I'll work with you. The last piece of the puzzle is this, perception. What, where, where's the soil at? Is it hot? Is it warm? Is it cold? Does it need a little bit of work? Am I just supposed to let him walk away? Jesus is our compass. Not all soils are ready at the moment. Jesus looks at a guy named, who we call the rich young ruler. He asks for some ideas about the eternity of the kingdom. He looks like a person of peace. Jesus gives him some answers, and he walks away, and Jesus lets him. You know why? The soil wasn't ready yet. It was cold. Jesus lets him walk. On the other hand, Jesus walks into the life of this lady by a well one day in Samaria. She's ripe for the harvest, and he jumps at the chance. He, not only does he speak about the kingdom and the God that loves her, he displays it by sharing some powerful information from the God of heaven directly to her heart. She becomes a Christian. Not only is the soil of her heart ripe, the soil of the town is ripe, and many come to know Christ because of that one instance right at that time. And so we got to be let Jesus help us navigate. Sometimes the soil is cold, and we should answer the question, and they'll walk away being sorrowful, and we got to be okay with that and keep praying for them. There are other people who are ready right now, and we keep working the ground. Think of Zacchaeus. He's hanging in a tree. He's looking for answers. And nothing miraculous happens other than Jesus just shows him some kindness and says, hey, I want to go to your house. Jesus goes to his house, shares about the kingdom. He's like, dude, I'm in. If I've done anything wrong, I want to make it right. I'll pay back everything. And his heart is completely changed at that moment because he was right. Jesus knew the testing of the soil of his heart. Let perception work in you. I encourage you to do something. I gave you these things. On the, 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 I meant to say something. We got sidetracked. Persons of peace. I gave this to you on purpose ahead of time. Because you know what? I think already probably as I've been talking, they're clicking. Dude, I remember that conversation I had with so-and-so last week. He just seemed like he was ready to talk about stuff. Maybe they're on your list of people and these things you put on these boards. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're in, they're in your workplace. They just materialize in the last few weeks, and you suddenly you find yourself having conversations, and God's saying, look, the soil's right. The soil's warm. They're listening. They're welcoming to you. They're, 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 they're interested in what's happening at your church, and they're doing a kid's camp thing? Really? I like to, can, can I help support that? Can I make sure a kid goes to camp? And, just, and you're not even sure of their spiritual well-being. You just know they want to help. And all of a sudden you're like, dude, that's a person at peace. That's a pop. Get out that card and think about who they might be. Our main job is live with our eyes and ears open so we can see them and hear God's voice. The harvesters are paid good wages, John 4 says, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. Keep your focus on that because joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. Great joy awaits both of them. Do your part. Don't force doors open. We can't force doors open. He hasn't opened for us. Some of us get weary because we try and knock down doors Jesus ain't opening. We want to take a sledgehammer to the door and get our way into somebody's life. And Jesus is like, they're not a person of peace. That soul's not even ready yet. What are you trying to do? You're wearing yourself out. Let him open the doors. You just be flexible in his hand to be where he wants you to be. Do what he wants you to do. And if he gives you a Macedonian call to go to a certain thing, you haven't even thought about going, go do there and do that. Follow him. Don't get distracted with earthly stuff. Don't get distracted by things that will that, that, keep you from seeing other people's needs and hearing the voice of God. Remember another thing. The work is the Lord's. It's not yours. You are responsible not for the results. You are responsible for obedience. Never forget that. It's God who provides the increase. You just plant. You just water. You just be content to play your part in the 
the chain. Write down names of people on this thing. Before you leave today, write down the persons of peace. Because you know what? I, I, you're just like me. If God doesn't get it right in your face, you'll walk out of here, think it was a great message, and never do anything about what was spoken to you. How many services have you guys done that in before? That was a great message, Pastor. Way to go. And three weeks from now, you're still doing nothing that was talked about in the message. You know how I know that? Because I used to be that guy too. I know, I know. Look how it works. Dude, you preached it, man. Three weeks from now, you can't even tell me what I talked about. Not put it into application. Not put it to work. Not make it a part of your life. Right now, today, write down the names of the persons, the persons of peace. Probably not more than three in your life because you can handle more than one at once, hardly. One, two, three, tops. And ask God to show you who they are. Let God use you to speak to them. You know what we're going to do? We're going to do for Kingdom Harvest Fest this year in, in September. Last Sunday of September, we do a, a big event. It's been like a fellowship thing and an outreach deal, kind of all combined in one last couple of years. We're going to train people to s- seek out persons of peace while they're on the campus at, at the park. Teach them how to train, how to look for people, how to share the gospel, how to share their testimony, and just be ready. Helping a, helping a single mom get her kids through the line of getting food. Standing at the, the surfboard bull riding thing, you know, the big festival deal we get going, and just talking in line with somebody, helping kids over at the water games, whatever else we're doing, and, and at the barbecue tent and all that sort of thing. Just, hey, and then we'll have a prayer tent. We'll just take them over there and let somebody else do the rest of the work and help them, help them connect with Jesus if it, if, 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 it, if it happens. And so get ready for that. Be ready. Get yourself ready to think about that. You got your card? You got any, anybody got any names on it? We're going to go quickly. The most important thing you can do is bring glory to God. You bring glory to God, people's lives change. But you've got to be intentional. It ain't going to happen by accident. You've got to set your face right in the face of God and say, God, use me. Be like Isaiah. Here I am, God. Send me. This morning, I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for the people who are on your list.